everybody. Today's podcast has to do with the new patch for Diablo 3. Yay! Patch 1.0.7 point. Yay. I'm sure there's other points, but that's all they gave me as far as their blurbs on their website. Uh, Diablo 3, of course, is the game that came out in 2012. Broke many sales records, mostly for pre-sales. Millions of people really, really excited about this game. That makes sense because it's a sequel to the game that came out nearly 12 years ago. Diablo 2 came out in 2000, and the original Diablo came out in 1996. But of course, there was only four years between the first and second uh, sequel. Fans constantly were clamoring and pestering Blizzard for news about any third installment. And finally, in 2008, Diablo 3 was announced. But from that announcement, it was still four more years until the game even came out. Since then, there has been innumerable praise and criticism for both fans and general media as far as the game goes. Uh, Corey, between the two of us, is certainly our Diablo expert. And I'm, I'm sort of curious, as sort of just a general introductory, why the Diablo, in your opinion, is even a franchise that deserves this much praise and attention? Well, um, first of all, I don't... I wouldn't say that I'm an expert on the Diablo franchise, but I happen to know everything about the game that ever happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> just simply from immersion, from uh, it being my core game ever since I started playing it back in 96. Um, the franchise, well, from the start, was um, innovative. Uh, the Diablo 1... Uh, you might not notice. I mean, if you can even have some kind of old platform to play it on right now, um, I know you can download the shareware version and stuff. It would not look impressive. Um, the graphics are quite, quite dated. The gameplay is lacking in ways that a lot of modern games aren't. But it actually is a, a foundation for all the games that we play now, or at least for a lot of them, in that it was one of the first... Uh, 3D, real-time action RPGs. Um, and there's a little bit of debate on, like, you know, which games were the first and which games are specifically in that genre or subgenre. And, you know, I'm not going to get too nitty-gritty with that because it's a little bit difficult to say, but this one really did set the foundation for a basic model for these uh, RPGs and MMOs that we play today. Um, you know, it's a hack-and-slash, dungeon-crawling, point-and-click, procedurally-generated, optionally multiplayer action RPG. <laughs> so whichever one of those subgenres you want to throw it into. But it involved, like, the uh, uh, real-time, like, uh, you come out of, like, the Zelda games, you would have menus that would pop up. The game would pause while you read it or talk to someone. Then the gameplay would continue. Diablo used things such as, like, half-screen menus... You could adjust your inventory, and then there would still be the action going on on the other half of the screen. Um, and for the most part, you could completely control your character. It was point and click, but you know, I I wouldn't get too concerned over using a joystick versus a mouse. Um, mm -hmm. It's still controlling a virtual character. Yeah, and uh, the uh, levels were, as I mentioned, procedurally generated. They 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 would 
be randomized. They would have a general outline. You know, you have to get from point A to point B in this labyrinth dungeon. But the dungeon would always be just completely etch-sketched and shaken up and restarted and regenerated every time you played the game. So that was fun. Um, and it was extremely replayable. Um, Diablo 1, we're still on just the first Diablo, uh, introduced like characters that wouldn't you wouldn't meet these NPCs the first time through. So you'd meet like this one dude, talk to him, he'd give you a random quest. The second time you play it, you'd find someone else who gave you a different quest. And uh, it was extremely replayable. You just keep going through it over and over, getting new stuff, getting new gear. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, that's what kept people coming back to it. Um, and then with Diablo 2, it kind of picked up from there. It had all the same elements. It had slightly improved graphics. Um, the game was longer. Um, and everyone really enjoyed the sort of dark, uh, demonic atmosphere. Um, and that kind of, I mean, that's by no means exhaustive. Yeah. It's just sort of an overhead of, like, where we're coming from with Diablo 3. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, it's it's hard at this point for, I think, most gamers to truly understand that a game was innovative because so many of them didn't play the first one. And so you played all the ones that copied that first one. And we get back to the first one, it's like, oh, well, I've played it before. It's like, well, that was actually the first one. And... uh so for a lot of people that were entering the um, gaming community and industry, especially around our age, uh, this was brand new. This is like change, like world changing. You go from like Mario to these like procedurally generated things. I think it's very important um, for most games that, especially evolved computer and especially recently that have access to internet. Um, this because this wasn't the same way back in the early '90s. You didn't have the ability to patch. Uh, you had expansions, but that was almost an entirely separate development period. Mm-hmm. But in today's modern world, you have the ability to patch smaller portions of your game. Now, for most games, the concept of patching is a little bit even still different than expansions, even downloadable expansions. But a patching is basically fix it, it fixes more bugs and less adding content. Most of the time, patches are real good. You know, it helps balance his classes. It helps uh, address certain bugs and all these things. But one of the issues and criticism that Diablo is facing is a 12-year pre-production cycle. And on a normal game, or at least, you know, a usual, uh, a game that usually has three to four years of pre-production, passion is one thing. But when you have 12 years of ramp-up, I'm curious on what your opinion is. Are, I mean, shouldn't a lot of these patches or a lot of these things they realize weren't going to work, shouldn't they have been, like, fixed or addressed some point in those 12 years? Right. Um, well, before I really delve into that, my sort of opinion is, I mean, I wasn't working for Blizzard or anything. Yeah. But, um First of all, I like to shoot down the 12-year number because even though that's, I mean, it's literally been 12 years since uh, Diablo 2 was released. Um, on that note, I'd like to say the Diablo 2 expansion, which nobody plays Diablo 2 without playing the expansion. That'd be like playing World of Warcraft vanilla. I mean, you always play the most current version of it. And that was actually 2001. So that brings us to 11 years. <laughs> oh, and, what you know? So not, there's a year. Like, no, the, I, yeah. <laughs> the game was brand new. It's it's to be fair. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And um, 
the thing is, I don't think in 2001, 2002, um, I'm sure some money-grubbing businessman was going, all right, let's make a Diablo 3 because, you know, I'll get richer off of it. But beyond that, I don't think they were actually planning a Diablo 3 very uh, with a very hands-on approach. Yeah. Um, I read somewhere, <laughs> so it's got to be true because <laughs> I read it somewhere. You it's know. on the internet. <laughs> it's on the internet. Um, well, Blizzard North was a uh, – I'm not sure exactly what the technical term for it is, but they're sort of a cousin company working with Blizzard. Uh, Blizzard bought them out, and they helped develop Diablo 1 and 2. They were not involved in Diablo 3, at least not to the extent that they were previously. Um, You won't see their title pop up on the screen anywhere. Yeah. And um, that's as I understand it. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what the case is. Uh, In around 2003 to 2005, there was some controversy within the company – I think there was a Diablo 3 sort of in progress, like someone yeah. was working on something for it, and it yeah. didn't go through. And so I think we have more like a seven years of development on the Diablo 3 as we're playing it. So yeah. it's not 12. I think it's well, more like seven. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you're, you're right. I do feel that, I mean, from a fan's point of view, you do have to look at it was still 12, 11 years since the last time they had played. Um, and even though they weren't actually making the game, seven years is still a really, really long time. I mean, you look at other like console games. Now, granted, there's a lot of different things. I mean, Diablo is a very expansive. There's a lot of like programming you have to put in to be able to like handle all that procedural generation. But there's games that can, you know, some games can pump it out every year. You know, you look at Call of Duty franchises, the Madden franchise in football. You have a new game every year. Now, obviously, right. there's not that much difference. I mean, the difference between Diablo 2 and Diablo 3 is, I mean, infinitely bigger than the difference between Madden 2011 and Madden 2012. Absolutely. But I still feel, from my own opinion, based on it, I mean, you have 12 years, 7 years of development, and... And those five years before that seven, there were storyboards and there were like concept art and there were other things that had to be. You know, it sounded like there was even some that were totally discounted from Blizzard, but there were there were definitely thought processes. You couldn't have that popular game and not think, oh well, maybe we should think about what the next one might have. Now, obviously, World of Warcraft started in two thousand four, so that took a large portion of Blizzard's development you know, juice to go into that game. And that's been successful for them. Right. But when you're making that kind of money and maybe I'm just totally out of the loop from the developer point of view, I don't see how you can't hire a few extra people. I know there's sort of a critical massive amount of people that you have too many people, you lose control and you, it's harder to like manage creative direction. But I mean, you're billions of dollar, a billion dollar company and you can't, you know, add a, figure out a way to accelerate some of these processes. Yeah, it definitely doesn't seem quite right. Whatever their excuse is, they're probably not right. I'm just yeah. going to say that. I know everything about everything, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so come come on, people. Hire some people and get it done. Yeah, I I definitely, I, I, I agree with you. Um, although, like, from this point further, I mean, disregarding... 
you know, whoever's fault it is is how long it took to get this game. What is what do you want them to keep improving? What do you want these patches, whether or not they should have been done before, what do you think they need to keep going towards? I think everyone's been asking themselves, at least all the Diablo 3 players have been asking themselves that same question. Um, and most of them don't realize that they're asking themselves that because no one has a perfect answer. Because um, it's the game... All right, well, just in case anyone listening is not aware, Diablo 3 has received a lot of mixed reviews because uh, a lot of the people playing Diablo 3 are coming from at least Diablo 2, if not Diablo 1, way back in the last millennium. And um, so they had high hopes for the game. Uh, There were some issues in this game, such as uh, uh, itemization, item drops, uh, and the the random roll of the die and like the stats on those items, people don't feel very comfortable with the system that they have in place. And uh, the there's uh, there are issues with the end game. You know, you get through, you kill Diablo, and so you go through all the four acts, and you kill Diablo on all the difficulties, and uh, you get the best stuff in the game. And say so you do actually get to the best part of the game that you can play uh, at the highest difficulty getting the highest loot there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh there don't seem to be many reasons to come back and keep doing it uh it's a little bit of a grind um and with the patches you know they've patched things like you were saying bugs um all kinds of issues with that um which i think is an improvement yeah and the old decade in Diablo 2, uh, they didn't have as many patches, and the game is very buggy. Yeah. So one thing I attribute to Diablo 3 is it's extremely smooth yeah. for the most part. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, the combat's smooth and fluid. The graphics are beautiful. But beautiful graphics don't make a game. Yeah. You have to have a, an infrastructure. Yeah. And I think the auction house is actually what's killing Diablo 3. Because people don't want to go grind 100 hours to get that new breastplate that has almost the same stats that they're hoping for when they could go drop $5 into the auction house, Uh get a top-of-the-line piece of gear, and be done. Um, And I think they based some of the itemization drops on the fact that there's going to be an auction house. Uh So. They made, I don't know exactly, this is sort of just me uh, speculating, but I think the drops were made more difficult to get, and more difficult to get the perfect drops. Yeah. Because they know so many people will find them. The right itemization. Yeah, yeah. My opinion is that the auction house killed Diablo 3. Yeah. The real money, let me say that much. I would definitely, I mean, I don't don't know, I mean, I I played Diablo (laughs) sparingly, I guess. But mm-hmm. I haven't really investigated too far into the auction house. And I have read about it. And, I, and that was certainly one of the big concerns of fans. Because this is a fairly unique thing on such a AAA title. Um, is having a real money auction house. This is one reason why other games that are at an MMO level are hesitant to do that. Because it produces people that have means in real life as accelerating their ability to be better. Instead of the time and skill and effort it would take to get all this gear or get really good, you can sort of cheat your way through. Now, 
to that same extent, the people that want to be able to play at level 60 and like a level cap, but don't have the time to put into it and, but have the money are able to do that. So it sort of balances out a little bit, but that's definitely something that I would sort of agree with you a little bit. And it's something that we can sort of address in future uh, podcasts as far as the interaction between money and the game itself. I mean, even with like subscription models, but within in-game acquisition of gear and stuff just by paying real money. Yeah. Um, I think it's I think it's an interesting interaction between the developer and the fan. They produce a content and then it they basically give you a tool to interact with it. And then you can constantly like shift it. And and theoretically that could cause like produce its own unique economy that's very like similar to a real world economy that and then that in turn drives future change and uh well just it it changes the future of the very game yeah but i on that same sort of note i it starts bringing me or making me wonder as far as the entitlement of fans and the responsibility of the developer because from a fan's perspective, they put in countless hours in Diablo or Diablo 2, and then they had to wait a decade before they got to play another one. And then now they have patches, and the auction house is making challenging, or making things challenging for people that don't have the money but want to put in the time, and it causes all the stuff. But but how much is the fans' entitlement of you know it's all on the developer? Like how much is that fair? At the same time how much it is of it is the responsibility of the developer these days because that's just the way the industry has that's just how it's become in this you know since the 80s is the developer is supposed to put out content quickly and it's supposed to serve the customer and it's supposed to allow the player to do everything they want to do like i'm wondering what your thoughts are like that sort of versus the entitlements yeah. of fans versus the responsibility of the developer. Yeah. Um, well, essentially what comes to my mind is as far as the bad side, the bad aspect of Diablo 3 and the issues, all the various issues that the fans have, and I do believe it's just the fans who really care about these issues Yeah. or no one would bother to really talk about them, um, is that it's we feel like it's too little too late. Um, you know, if they had come out with this in five years time, yeah, more like <laughs> the average game, perhaps, um, you know, the graphics probably wouldn't be as sweet as they are now, yeah. but, um, you know, that's fine. Diablo's never been about graphics. Um, and I think now that it's been so long, the expectations coming out of this very innovative, brand new, um, uh, MMO version of Diablo 2. You know, we could play on Battle.net. And uh, I think, so, oh yeah, so in, in terms of the time that it's been, just the time span, regardless of who started dis- designing what, when, and uh, the expectations coming out of an awesome uh, prequel. Yeah. That it's too little too late. Well, um, I mean, but what... The game itself is, uh, for a purely entertainment value, 
Like, I mean, I guess you could maybe say that some games have more effect on, like, general society. And I think that could also be, you know, I think that's true. But how much is, is it fair to be so critical of something that just entertains you? It just took them a long time. Like, they didn't, you know, steal your kids or punch you in the face or, like, actually do anything other than be slow or be sort of unresponsive or put out a game that's maybe not quite 100% done. Like, how much of that is actually an entitlement of the fans that should be or how much of that is just the reality and that's how it, that's how it is. And if you don't like it, then that's just too bad because that's how it is. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think, you know, a lot of the nerd ragers who, you know, oh, I'm angry, I'm going to go to the forums, and I'm going to tell those people what's on my mind, because obviously I'm just this, you know, podunk nerd sitting in my room, so they better <laughs> listen to me, or they're not going to get my 50 bucks. Yeah. Oh, wait, they already got my 50 bucks. Well, I'm going to tell them my mind anyway. Yeah, which you know? is fair, I mean, they're right, too. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I, I know there's been a lot of, you know, shady and sketchy stuff uh put up on the forums and everyone starts attacking the developers themselves and yeah. i think they really shouldn't take it personal like yeah. the fans need to stop that crap um yeah. you know like i i um critique the game and you know i i even admit i don't have all the perfect answers for what they should or shouldn't do what they should add but i don't think it's about developers themselves personally yeah well yeah of course not i mean you know they're they're trying to make their money and the game was financially extremely successful i'm not sure exactly what the facts are but i know it was at least one of the top selling pc games yeah i mean they had 3.5 million pre-sales yeah i think it was one of the top selling it was it broke all records for pre-sales at least i don't know about the final thing the final uh numbers for overall since then but Right. And, you know, um, you know, I would attribute a lot of that. There was a lot more um, commercial uh, advertising and marketing for this game than there was for the previous ones. But, you know, so like how much of it was to sell the game, literally to sell it, and then to be not concerned with how the fans perceive it once they've paid the money. You know, that's kind of an issue that's up in the air. Um, you know, they made their money and now they're just going to kind of leave it hanging. They're not leaving it hanging. Um, well, just sort of wrap up what I'm getting at is I think they just released, they, I think they should never have announced in 2008 that they were yeah. making the Diablo three and that they were getting ready to release it. Because once they announced it, all the crazy psychotic fans like myself were like, "Oh my gosh, oh I'm Joe and yeah. they got Diablo three, yeah. and then it was four more years, and over those four grueling years waiting for the game, I've been waiting all my life. Yeah, I didn't know I was waiting for it because I didn't know they were making one. But when they said they were making one, that became my top hope and expectation that I was looking forward to, and it was a long four years. I think, and obviously, I think they just needed more time to finish polishing up the game. You know, they yeah. they said with the release, there would be PvP yeah. and per- perhaps even, like, a special version of PvP, kind of like arena style. And that's just now coming out in the patch that you mentioned. Um, I think you know, they were 
trying to cater to the fans and they tried to like meet us halfway. And it, so in part, I think it's the fans fault for rushing them. You know, there's always, and I'm guilty of this as well. I was just always complaining, like just release the game. You know, I don't care if I'm killing monkeys with a pinata. I just want to fight in Diablo three. And then they released Diablo three and I'm, you know, just like, I'm experiencing a couple issues that I don't perhaps uh, enjoy. Mm-hmm. And then I go and I'm like, why is there uh, incomplete content in the game? Well, yeah. you know, we were all pressuring Blizzard to release the game. Yeah. Well, and I mean, if you look at it from a difference between film or other media sources, uh, entertainment sources, Gaming requires a massive time commitment. A movie is two to three hours. For that franchise or for that story, you're investing two to three hours of your time. For a short game, that's ten hours of your time. That's you're starting to get to the point where you're more on you're on a game more than you actually spend with a real person, like a relationship that you have. And obviously that's a whole other issue in itself about like how much time you should be spending on the games. But there's an investment of yourself because you believe that your time is an investment. So when you invest time, that's a bigger part of your life. So I can definitely understand while why you have nerd ragers. I mean, because they've invested. That's a certain percentage of their life. You know, some people, that's a pretty big percentage of their life. And so yeah. whenever there's poor quality of content of something you invest you know, of a franchise you've invested a large portion of your life on, it's definitely hard not to be a little bit critical. Now you're right. I mean, they still paid their game, you know, and they still play it a lot. And yet then they just complain or make personal attacks on the developers. I mean, mm-hmm. it takes a whole village to make these things. You have not just developers, you have big wigs, uh, you know, at the top of these companies of like blizzard blizzard's a billion dollar company. Activision is a billion dollar company. You have really high-level executives that aren't really like the game developers. They're looking at it from advertising, marketing, and publicity standpoints. And that oftentimes hinders the creative concepts. I mean, in film, I mean, you had the giant studios, and a lot of times they would hinder or censor directors. The directors were trying to become these big, creative, like, you know, expansive giant things and then studios would come in and it's like oh i don't think that would really work for the junior populace and so it's a whole village and so be able to be very critical to the specific people on the developers i think is a little unfair but i can definitely understand when you invest so much of your time of your life into something how it'd be pretty serious to you right yeah absolutely and i think you know once again i'm not a game developer but if they actually care, and I think they should care about their fans, they need need to at least have an open ear. And, uh, you know, I think they should care. And I, I think people on in Blizzard definitely do care. You know, they actually respond to forum posts. They have people who are very personable, and they'll actually talk to the fans and explain why issues are the way they are. And usually those people don't have control over those issues, but they re- receive a lot of hate, and um, but you know, as a overall company, I definitely think they should not just you know wait for our money, uh, release the game, and then leave us. Yeah. Be, you know, they should. I think 
there really needs to be some sort of uh, mutual respect. You know, I think yeah. we should understand their standpoint and then they should understand why we want things that we want as yeah. gamers. You know, it sounds kind of mushy, I guess, but uh, I think it's the best way to make it all work. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, there has to be that it's in any relationship. There has to be that balance between the two sides. You have the consumer and you have the developer. I mean, without the consumer, the developer is making a game that no one's going to play. Without right. the developer, the consumer has nothing to buy. So I think that's it's an interesting thing, and and something as far as Diablo and its interaction and its you know fairly complicated history is something that we'll probably come back and address as further patches or further like just in general investigations towards how the auction house is affecting the game in general. We can come back and kind of talk about a lot of those things. Yeah. But we're about to the end of our time. And you have anything, last final thoughts as far as Diablo 3? or? Um, well, let's see. Um, I think, uh, you know, an ending, uh, a hanging question we can tag on here. You kind of asked me and I never solidly answered. Um as far as improving the game, where I might like to see it going, uh, in a short answer, I think an expansion. I don't know if yeah. there, a Diablo 4 will exist while I'm still young <laughs> yeah. at, at the speed that they're going. Uh, but just quickly, looking back at Diablo 2, it was never really complete. It was not the Diablo 2 as we know it without that expansion where they added an act and they added a lot of content in the mm-hmm. ruining system. Um, as well as a lot of uh, overall game changes. And I think that will be the best way for them to save Diablo 3. Not just save the game. I mean, it's still there and they made the money. But I think that's how they can perhaps most stimulate their fan base in the Diablo series is by coming out with an awesome, mind-blowing expansion. And I think it would take less time than it would to make a Diablo 4. So that's that's my... um, speculation on the future i think they should aim toward an expansion it sounds very interesting um as far as an audience goes i think we sort of touched on a little bit but was 12 years even enough i mean we criticize them for taking that long but if they're not done they're not done now obviously you have patches and so they'll eventually get there but i think it's definitely a question so leave your answer in the comments as far as our youtube audience goes um was 12 years enough but anyways i am jeremy and i'm Corey, and this has been once again the new cast (laughs) 